and gentlemen, welcome to season two, episode 34, the third of our FCON series in this beautiful so far 2022. We hope for you as well. This is, of course, the Anglican Connection. I'm Tommaso, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Rory, Anglo-Italian Connection. Make it kicking it old school, Tommy. Kicking oh, I said it Anglo-Italian old Connection. <laughs> All right, yeah, Anglo-Italian Pod is the new name. But yes, we were born as the Anglo-Italian Connection. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a whole lot of ground to cover. Of course, the priority goes to the AFCON, where a few teams really upset the bigger boys in the tournament. We're going to tell you all about that. But then, of course, we're going to take it back also to Serie A with uh, uh, one of the football standout names of our generation, Nani, making an impact on his debut. But it's not the only impactful debut as a certain Philippe Coutinho at the court of Steven Gerrard also makes a very strong impact on the Premier League once again. Rory, how are you doing today? I am very good. It's been a good footballing weekend. Um, the North London derby, Arsenal didn't lose. So that's a good weekend. Arsenal didn't lose. It was a successful weekend. And in doing so, West Ham lost. We'll get onto it. But it means it was actually a pretty good weekend for Arsenal. How are you, Tommy? How was your weekend? I'm doing great. I just wanted to say it uh, right away. It's not related to anything we're going to discuss on the pod, but today I was running some errands in the city center of Milan. The temperature has increased sharply. God bless global warming. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I was walking around and I was like, man, I do live in a beautiful city. I just wanted to say it to our listeners. Don't listen to all the bullshit they say that Milan is polluted and gray. Yes, we get a lot of gray days, but when it's sunny out, man, it's a beautiful city. I know you agree, Rory, right? I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. As we were saying off camera, coming from crew um, over Christmas back to Milan, like in Milan, I will walk for pleasure. In crew, I will run when I walk <laughs> because it's not quite as uh, relaxing an experience. Yeah, I, uh, there's a reason why I've been here four years. It's the longest place I've stayed and I absolutely love it. Um, every time I walk around it, I discover a new courtyard in a building or a new street or something. It's just incredible. But also, let's not forget that in true Italian fashion, you've found the love, and that's why you are here as well. Let's uh, shout out to Tiziana. Come on. I, I, oh, I thought you meant the food. Uh, yes, no, I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that always helps. Eh? That always helps. Um, hello, Tiz, if you're listening. There you go. But before we start, we remind you, as always, to follow us on our social media accounts at Anglo Italian Pod on Instagram and at Italian Anglo Pod on Twitter. If you're if you're listening during the week, remember that this is from our Monday night live show every Monday night from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. European Central European time. But it's time to talk about the AFCON, and I would like to start by saying one thing, and I know Rory disagrees, so we're just going to have a bit of a debate over this. So we are doing this because we love football, because um, we know that the AFCON is a competition that doesn't get enough international recognition. Um, but uh, we, I would like to give an advice to the supporters of the AFCON that are there at the stadium Fucking get rid of those Vuvuzelas. Make a big, big pile, set it on fire, and bring some local instruments, like some real instruments, if you really want to play some music. Because watching the games, watching the highlights, it feels like there is a giant fucking mosquito looming over the stadium. And if I was a player, man, I would finish the 90 minutes with the biggest headache. Now, Rory, you don't agree, I know. 
I it honestly doesn't bother me, but I think there might be something like wrong with me. Now bear with me a minute because in our house, our fridge makes a really high pitched noise all the time, <laughs> right? And it drives the misses absolutely crazy. Does not bother me whatsoever. I just tune it out. Doesn't bother me. I think I can relate it to the Vuvuzela as well. I just it just becomes background noise to me. Honestly, even during the 2010 World Cup when everyone was going mad about it, I was like, well, it doesn't honestly it does not bother me. So I think either. I can't hear properly or I'm just better. I'm better at being selectively deaf, which my mum always said I was selectively deaf. I only listen when I want to. So maybe That's actually it's a that. great quality. That's actually a great quality. And the other thing that I wanted to say, it's awesome that on YouTube, we've got CAF TV, C-A-F TV, where you can watch all the games live. You can watch all of the highlights, but CAF TV, come on, put a commentary on the highlights, put the scoreline and the minutes, because you're making it very hard for me and Rory to always <laughs> go back and be like, who's the guy that assisted? You have your phone open you gotta check the numbers and everything right well the problem is now none of the games the most recent games haven't been live on youtube either it's an absolute nightmare i've been looking and i'm like where is it <laughs> like i'm having to go for not exactly legal feeds so uh, youtube uh. if you could get if calf if you get your shit together it was much easier to double screen when i had youtube on the telly and the laptop think of us please won't somebody think of us and as we are speaking, some FCON games, no, actually, all FCON games of the day have finished. Group A is done and dusted. Rory, what can you tell us about it? Who is going through? Who was the surprise package of the group? And Ethiopia, we send you a big, big hug. It was pretty much impossible that he would make it through today, but we were crossing our fingers for like a six-goal blowout, which didn't happen. Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, so, Group A is the first group to be finished, as you said. In first place, we have the host, Cameroon. Two wins and a draw. Fired to the top by Abubakar, who's now the, the tournament's top scorer with five goals. Um, two of those penalties. Maybe three of those. Two of those penalties. I don't think anyone really had him down as like the tournament top scorer before it started, but he's had an incredible start, as have Cameroon. Obviously, being the host definitely helps. But in their last game today, they drew one all with Cape Verde, who are one of the surprise packages of this tournament, I think, finishing on four points themselves in third. And they have a chance, depending how the groups, the rest of the groups go, they have a chance of qualifying as one of the better third place teams. So, not a bad day for Cape Verde. The other game, Burkina Faso Ethiopia, also finished in a one all draw. It means that Burkina Faso finished second on goals scored. So, them and Cape Verde both have a goal difference of zero, but Burkina Faso scored three and Cape Verde scored two. So, Burkina Faso go through. And Ethiopia, look, they were always going to struggle. Um, but for them to finish with a point, so they didn't lose all three of their games. I think that's a really good achievement for them, genuinely, without sounding too patronizing. Um, so they got a great point against a good Burkina Faso side. So, yeah, Cameroon through, Burkina Faso through, and Cape Verde nearly through. We shall see. Group B, we've got, after the second round of fixtures, we've got Guinea in first place at four points, followed by Senegal, which I'm wrapping over my uh, my sweater today because it's pretty cold in my house. Also on four points. Then we've got Malawi on three points and Zimbabwe. Thanks for participating. But the Zimbabweans only have, uh, have got zero points and they are automatically out. 
coming up tomorrow, the big games are going to be Malawi, Senegal, and the Senegalese really needed to step it up, and Zimbabwe, Guinea. It should be a pretty comfortable win for Guinea, but we shall see. Zimbabwe have got nothing to lose, and I'm sure they will want to make their fans happy on their last game of the tournament. Yes, Rory? Well, the interesting one for me is Malawi. Um, their last game was an absolutely incredible game. Uh, Mahango got two goals as they uh, against Zimbabwe as they came from 1-0 down. Now, Zimbabwe's goal from Wadi was a great looping header. But um, Mahango, the first goal was an incredible cross that he just tapped in at the back post. But then Zimbabwe really, really didn't help themselves at the end. Gifted, gifted Malawi the goal with some terrible defending. But Mahango got his second goal, multiple front flips. And I feel like this is another team that we're kind of surprised by a little bit. Like, as you said, going into the last match day, they you could you wouldn't rule out, rule them out getting something against Senegal after Senegal haven't been that impressive. Um, no, so they could find themselves qualifying. I don't think many people would have said that before the tournament started. Yeah, so Senegal-Guinea was the first uh, game that was played uh, in the second round of fixtures. Both teams have only got one goal in two games, but they have also conceded zero. So yeah, for Senegal against Malawi, it's going to be a bit of a fight. Guinea played with a five-man defense and they displayed some good counter-attacking football. They wasted uh, one good chance uh, with Moriba, who plays at RB Leipzig, and he had Bayo right open on his left, but decided not to pass it to him and then just missed woefully. And Senegal, man, I was pretty disappointed. They looked super sloppy. They had a lot of crosses in no man's land. It felt like it felt like there was not really a game plan. And in the end, they were also pretty unfortunate because uh, PSG's Diallo had a very good header on target, but he was met, the ball was met by Guinea's goalkeeper, Ali Keta, who had a beautiful save to put the ball over the crossbar. Imala with Zimbabwe, as Rory said, Zimbabwe, man, they took the lead 1-0. Wadi actually missed an open header in the opening minutes of the game. Then he kind of like fixed his aim in the second and he managed to score a much more difficult (laughs) long-range header to make it 1-0. But then, yeah, they fucked up twice, I want to say, to gift Malawi both goals. And on the second goal at the 58th minute, the uh, the Zimbabwean centre-back, Hadebe, fell asleep, didn't really commit, didn't track the run of the, the forward that was coming through. He was expecting goalkeeper Mari to come off his line, but of course he didn't because it, it wasn't time to do that. And Mango, <laughs> yeah. did you say, how did you pronounce his name? Mahango? 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 I don't know. I just... I like Mango. Yeah, Mango scored second <laughs> and uh, made it a brace. So clutch win for the um, clutch win for Malawi. And uh, tomorrow, I repeat, we've got Malawi Senegal. Will the Senegalese step up or not? And then Zimbabwe Guinea. Let's move to Group C, Rory. Group C. Well, this is a fascinating group. As you know, our predictions never go right, and you're going to hear why one of my predictions really hasn't been going right, as Gabon find themselves second in the group, just behind Morocco. Um, So the games, we had Gabon drawing 1-1 with Ghana. Now, this was a fascinating game. Um, It looked like Ghana had got the game wrapped up. Um, Andre Ayew turning and spinning, firing one into the net. Um, to put the Ghanaians ahead early in the first half. And it looked like Ghana would kind of get in their way, comfortable in the game. 
nothing to really worry about. The second half, Gabon really came out and started dominating the ball. And in the 88th minute, um, Alevina, I think I'm saying that right, Alevina scored a beautiful goal. Um, he plays for Clermont in League One. He had like, it was incredible. He did some step overs to shift the ball onto his left foot, fired it across the goal into the far corner. Beautiful goal. Celebrated again with some front flips. We are seeing a lot at this tournament, which I am enjoying. So Gabon are giving themselves a massive, massive um, chance of qualifying. But unfortunately, there was a slightly black, grayish cloud over the end of this game as it turned into a massive fight at the end. Andre Ayew really was not happy that the Ghanaians had dropped points. It turned into a bit of a scramble. There was a player sent off. Thomas Partey threw a punch. Um, it all was very undignified. Um, but for Gabon... Also, sorry, but, isn't sorry. Andrea Yeo the, the guy who played for Marseille and he went on yep. trial for rape? Yeah? Oh, allegedly. I might need to Google that before we put that All right. No, sorry. No, because I was just like, I don't know. When I, saw that, when I saw that guy, I was just like, I don't know. I have bad memories um, of that guy. I will look it up while you keep going. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Good. We've covered ourselves with any lawyers that might listen. Um... But for Gabon, as I said, they've had a genuinely terrible start, like out off the field, a genuinely terrible start to this tournament. Aubameyang has now been sent back to Arsenal. Nobody wants him um, because he's got some health complications post-COVID, which is on on us. Obviously, we just wish him well. Hope he has a speedy recovery. Hope he can turn things around at Arsenal. Would love to see him scoring goals for us again. But it's a shame for Gabon that he's not going to be able to play for them. Meanwhile, their captain, Lamina, has fallen out with the uh, Gabonese FA and he's now retired from international football. So he's no longer available for selection either. But despite that, you have to kind of tip your hat to the Gabonese players in the squad and be like, fair play. You have still got on. You've put in some great performances against, okay, a not great Ghana, but still rescuing a point against that team is a great performance um, and winning their first game. And nobody really expected it. So fair play to Gabon. Meanwhile, um, Morocco played against Comoros. Comoros, we know this is their first um, their first ever AFCON. They are possibly the definition of men minnows in this tournament. Morocco comfortably went past them 2-0. Goals from Amala and Abukai. It's nice to see Comoros here, but I think they kind of knew they were on a little bit of a hide into nothing. But that leaves Group C with Morocco top on six points, Gabon second on four, Ghana third... On one point, Comoros on zero, and the game's coming up. Now, Ghana really need to put in a performance because they are going to be up against Comoros, right? So this should be a game that they're pretty confident about, but the way they've been playing, you never know. And Gabon take on Morocco to see who will finish top in that group. It's all pretty close in Group C. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, except for Comoros, who are out already. By the way, guys, I just did some research on Andrea Yeo. I did not find anything to back my claim. That we, apologize. We, I apologize. we apologize. I apologize. I you should have a good memory. I don't know. I will look up more into that. Maybe it was all erased from the World Wide Web. We shall see. But let's move on to Group D, where we've got Nigeria, who, despite actually Ozyman, he's uh, finally playing a game for Napoli. He just came in replacing Dries Mertens. But even without Ozyman, Nigeria have already qualified. We don't know if as first or second of the group. Egypt that trailed by three points thanks to their most recent win that we're going to cover in a second. And on one point, we've got Guinea, Bissau, and Sudan. 
coming up Wednesday, we've got Guinea-Bissau, Nigeria, but the big one is going to be Egypt-Sudan. Going back to the games, Nigeria-Sudan 3-1. The first goal came from a long throw by Torino's Ola Aina. Simon put it down beautifully on the box and assisted it for Chukweze, who plays for Villarreal, and that's 1-0 in the opening minutes of the game. Following a free kick, the ball somehow gets to Awani, who makes it 2-0. And at this point, Simon, who already, uh, who already had an assist, he makes it 3-0 with a goal before Sudan are conceded, in my opinion. A very soft penalty, a pull of the jersey, and he made it 3-1 thanks to Kidir. Guinea-Bissau, Egypt, 0-1. There was an early free-kick attempt by Kande from Guinea-Bissau that went over the crossbar. And then Galatasaray, Mohamed, he had a great chance to make it 1-0, but very unluckily. He wrapped his foot beautifully around the ball, aimed for the far post, but it uh, it maybe aimed too well to the far post because it (laughs) hit it right there. Bing! 69th minute, a very patient play by Egypt. Everything looks pretty static, except for a certain Mohamed Salah, who is calling for the ball, like, guys, I'm out here, I'm hoping, let's go. And Sulaya scoops it up to the left flank. Salah makes it 1-0 with a beautiful volley. However, Guinea-Bissau's goalkeeper, Jonas Mendes, I think, could have done slightly better there. What do you think? Yeah, we've we've had some outstanding goalkeepers at this tournament. I think some of the players of the tournament so far have been some of the goalkeepers. We've also had some <laughs> goalkeeping howlers uh, this week. We're going to get onto Ivory Coast. And I think this one, yeah, for it, the ball to go underneath him, the goalkeeper should be doing better. But I also think Salah fucking hits that. And yeah. the frustration that came out in his celebration, you could just see it was like a weight off his shoulder. He was like, yes, finally I've scored. Like you could see... It was visceral, the frustration on his face. So I think it was a big weight lifted off his shoulders and a massive three points for Egypt, right? <laughs> but the, the most interesting moment of this game came towards the dying minutes of the match when Guinea-Bissau's Moma Balde equalized with the most beautiful individual play I've seen in the tournament so far. He dribbled past not one, but two players on the left flank, kind of went towards the center and then curled it beautifully towards the far post to make it 1-1. However, VAR check. There was a foul in the (sighs) build-up. What do you think about it, Rory? I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I think, if anything, the defender has got his hands on the player, on the attacker. I don't think it's the other way around. I think... Egypt have been ridiculously lucky there. That goal should not have been ruled out for me. I I don't see a foul there at all. Like if for, for even beauty, if you're looking for, for the it, beauty it's alone, for the Sorry? beauty alone, for the beauty alone, it shouldn't yeah, have yeah, been yeah, ruled yeah, out yeah. because it was an incredible goal. I agree with Rory. I think that we see that uh, in every football match. Like there is mm-hmm. that type of foul, if you want to call it foul, in every football match. It really depends on how the referee decides to, you know, referee the game, if he's going to allow that or not. I don't know. It was kind of a tough call, but what I appreciated is that uh, the other Guinea-Bissau players, they went insane towards the referee. And the guy who had scored the goal, Moma Balde, was the one pulling them back and being like, guys, he's made the decision, let it go. And I feel like you don't see that happening Mm -hmm. that often in world of football. So props to Moma Balde. I will remember you for this goal alone, I promise. Should we move on to Group E? 
I wanted to quickly give Nigeria some props for, despite Sudan not being the greatest, they beat them 3-1. And the player that Dean Amin uh, shouted out on our previous episode, um, Moises Simon, had an absolute stormer, completed eight dribbles in that game, more than any other player. Um, and he scored the third to put the icing on the cake for a great win for Nigeria. I think the, they are one of the most impressive teams of the tournament so far. They're one of the most consistent teams. They're one of the few teams to win both their games. I think people should be worried about Nigeria. I think they really could do something. And that is without Osimhen and Emmanuel Dennis. It's incredible. True, true, true. Very good call. Very good call. But let's move on to Group E. Rory, what have we got? Oh, I'm so lucky that I get the group of the tournament so far. This is where all all the headlines have been, and there's only one place to start. Now, Dean Ami, I apologize. We're going to have to start there. It's the curse of the Anglo-Italian pod. Anything you say on this pod will not happen. He was pretty confident that Algeria were coming for that Italy unbeaten run, and then... Equatorial Guinea arrived. I don't think anybody saw this result come in. Algeria nil, Equatorial Guinea won. A goal in the 70th minute from Obiang Esteban after some terrible defending from Algeria from the corner. They just let the ball run across the box. But it's like they're caught between two things. They've got a player stood on the post and then the rest of the defence trying to catch them offside for any like second cross that comes in so it's just an absolute mess he taps it in at the far post now to put this into context equatorial guinea are ranked 114th in the fifa rankings right and they've just beaten the reigning champions of the afghan algeria who are ranked 29th like nobody expected this to happen um the majority of the equatorial guinea guinean players um play in Spain in the second and third divisions. Like this was a kind of David and Goliath story. Now, Algeria had all of the chances. They definitely should have scored. How they didn't score is a bit of a mystery. They had goal line clearances, hit the post, last minute blocks, last minute tackles. But it was the same problem as they had in the first game. They just couldn't score. There's just zero clinicalness in that team. And Equatorial Guinea, the the further the game went on, you could just feel it coming. You're like, they're going to get a break and they're going to score here. There was one player in particular who stood out, Iban Edu. He plays for Fuenlabrada in the Segunda in Spain. He got man of the match. Um, he got man of the match after the game. He was unbelievable on the right wing, pacey, tricky, direct, pink hair. You fucking love it, right? Low socks. It's amazing. When he got the Man of the Match uh, trophy, his whole team mobbed him, pouring water on him, his coaches, managers. Like, this was a huge, huge moment for that team and for that country. You saw the scenes in the capital city, which I think is Malabo. I apologize if that's wrong. People running in the streets, car horns honking, you can imagine. Massive, massive moment. Definitely the biggest upset of the tournament so far. And that puts them, Equatorial Guinea, it puts them in second place and Algeria bottom on one point. Now, this is like, we've seen it a few times in the World Cup where the champions have just had a terrible tournament the next time. France, Germany, Italy. Italy. There's a few of them, right? And it just has that feeling like where the champions turn up and just, I don't know, don't perform as expected. So yeah, Equatorial Guinea in second place on three points. Algeria bottom on one point. And in the other game, we had another upset, not quite as seismic, but definitely a surprise as Ivory Coast drew two all with Sierra Leone. Now, we've talked about Sierra Leone's uh, goalkeeper before, Kamara. I think he could he could get 
he should get goalkeeper of the tournament so far. Depending how well Sierra Leone do, he could get player of the tournament. This guy has been amazing. Um, starting off by saving a penalty from Kessie. Now, Wilfred Zaha is terrifying when he's on his day, and he was definitely on his day. Within 10 minutes, he'd gone down in the box twice. Um, but the second time, he finally got a penalty. Um, Kessie stepped up, and Kamara saved it. But the most interesting thing about this game as well is that, now here's a stat, on November the 14th, 2012, Zaha and Stephen Kolker both made their England debuts against Sweden. In this game, they faced off against each other for Ivory Coast and Sierra Leone. It's pretty crazy. Um, Stephen Kolker has also had an amazing tournament for Sierra Leone. Um, in his first two games, he's kept a clean sheet versus the competition holders, and he had a key part to play in the biggest moment of this game, but we'll get onto it, right? So... After Kamara scored, um, Ivory Coast are just going, going, going. And finally, they break through. Hallow with the outside of the foot. Beautiful assist from Zaha. And it's 1-0. At that point, I'm thinking, just how many goals are Ivory Coast going to get? But again, they're just not clinical in front of goal. The second half, I don't know what the Sierra Leone manager said to them, but they were a different team. They stepped up the pressure. They started to dominate the ball. And they started to create chances. And eventually, Musa, who is the top scorer in the Sierra Leonean Premier League, he, again, another beautiful little shift onto his left foot, leaves ba- uh, leaves Eric Bailly for dead, smashes it into the net, and it's one all. Now, this guy, he didn't play in Sierra Leone's first game because he refused to train with the team, and the manager was like, right, you're not playing. <laughs> then all the fans were like, you have to play him, you have to play him, he's the top scorer, you have to play him. And finally, the manager caved in and said, okay, you have to give the people what they want, I'll play him. He scores straight away. He's come on at halftime, brought him on, scored, bang. It's one all. At that point, Pepe, the Pepe I wish Arsenal had, he got man of the match, by the way, cut in on the right wing, left foot, straight into the bottom corner, makes it 2-1. And it looks like Ivory Coast have won it. Ivory Coast are dominating the game again, just chance after chance after chance, just cannot score. And in the final minute, the Ivory Coast keeper has an absolute stinker. Now, can I say one thing? Um, I've covered it before, but one time I was invited when I came back from my uh, six months uh, in South America. I came back and these guys contacted me to be their goalkeepers in a seven-a-side tournament. Mm-hmm. And I accepted. However, I had only really played my entire life in five-a-side pitches. So the goal is caringly bigger, you know? Right, and right, the, right, first, right. the first few games were great. And then, guys, the last game that I played, it was the semifinal to go to the final. We were up 3-1. We ended up losing 4-3. And uh, I will take full responsibility. Like, all three of those goals were my responsibility. To this day, I had never seen a worse mistake than the one I made for their 4-3 until I saw this guy. Now, they used to call me on the back of my jersey. It said Parkinson because right. <laughs> I have shaky hands. <laughs> and so it was like, it was kind of an inside joke that I had Parkinson's. But this guy... I mean, it kind of defies the laws of physics. Like, you've got the ball, you fall down, and then it just slips under your hip, and it's gone (laughs) forever. His face, as he turns around, his face is just like, ooh, it's like this heartbreak. As Stephen Kolker, the centre-back, who's just marauded up the pitch, knocks it across for... Um, I need to get for Kamara, Alhaji Kamara, to score the equaliser and Sierra Leone get a massive point. Again, the scenes of um, people in Sierra Leone celebrating was incredible. And then we get Tommy, finally, we've had our first outfield player in goal. 
Serge Aurier at five foot nine. I don't know why they chose him. They've definitely got taller players at five foot nine. He was put into goal for the last couple of minutes. The funny thing was the keeper after making this mistake. Now I'm going to put my neck on the line and say he wasn't injured. He was just incredibly embarrassed. He he wasted like five minutes lying on the floor. They finally got him off. He, they at that point had to say he wasn't able to come back on and Serge Aurier then put the gloves on Sierra Leone ran out I just thought just hit it hit it from anywhere just start hitting it it's gonna go in but they just ran out of time as they were making their last move and it ended to all but a massive result for Sierra Leone as well group E this means that any team can qualify as we go into the last set of games and we've got the biggest game of that group in the last round, we've got Ivory Coast taking on Algeria and Sierra Leone taking on Equatorial Guinea. For Ivory Coast, they can draw and they'll be fine. Like, they'll go through either way, but they obviously will want to finish top, right? Yeah. yeah For yeah, Algeria, yeah. it is win or bust. Like, they have one choice. And the thing is, they've not been able to score against Equatorial Guinea and against Sierra Leone. And with all due respect, Ivory Coast are a much better team. So I do not know how Algeria are going to get on. They could go out in the group stage. This could be bad. This could yeah, be really and bad. Even if, even if they do win, they've got to hope that Equatorial Guinea do not win and mm-hmm. Sierra Leone get a result there. Otherwise, it could be it could be really, really messy for the Algerians. Dean Emmy is going to think twice next time we invite him on the pod. <laughs> know, yeah. Also, because be the, the other teams that I asked him about, I was like, what about your sort of neighbors? You know, Egypt, Morocco. It was like, ah, no chance. And Tunisia, no chance. <laughs> yeah. And they all got wins. So it was just like, we're sorry, sorry. Dean. It's, it's the curse of the Anglo-Italian pod. You, you, you've just experienced it firsthand in your first time on our pod. We're we should have warned him, really. We should have warned him. But the hopeless, wonder, the hopeless Wanderer, friends of the show, say Sierra Leone have a few UK-based players. They could be an underdog. Honestly, they're taking a lot of people by surprise. And they are not conceding many goals. They're like, they are very solid got that like little bit of dust of like attacking talent that um the Musa Kamara who scored the first one I was really really impressed with that goal was beautiful I think they could surprise a few people and we're all about it I've got the shirt here we're all about Sierra Leone here we go finally and, and guys, sorry, Rory did it brilliantly. But in case you got confused with all the Camaras, we can probably say that <laughs> Sierra so Leone is a nation built on Camaras. We had <laughs> one in goal, one who plays Trequartista, and then the forward is also Camara. So three Camaras, they have different <laughs> names, luckily. But I just wanted to give a quick shout to Rory Red did to Mohamed N. Camara, who is uh, 22 years old. He's the goalkeeper. He still plays mm-hmm. in his home country. But I think that after this tournament, a few people are going to go knock on his door, 100%. He may, yeah, he may have a big move ahead of him. And the, the brilliant thing is for this Sierra Leone team, a lot of them do play in Sierra Leone. And you can see already there's a few of them that clubs in France, clubs in like England, in Germany are going to be looking and going, especially like the second second division in those countries. These will these players could get big moves and it's massive for them. It's great to see, and the goalkeeper definitely deserves it. That penalty save from Kessie was genuinely a brilliant save. It was a really good save. Like it wasn't the best penalty, but that was a great save. And uh, well, we're gonna get to AC Milan, but uh, also Teo Hernandez is replacing a Kessie on penalty duty, and he missed today. And spoiler alert: AC Milan have just lost at home against the Spezia. Oh my god! We're going to cover that in a second because we are at Group F. Like, fortunately, Spezia won. Um, (laughs) Gambia are first with four points, followed by Mali, um, who also have four points. Tunisia on three, and I'm 
Mauritania. Thanks for participating, but the boys are already out with zero points so far. Coming up Thursday, we've got a big game, which is Gambia-Tunisia and then Mali-Mauritania. But let's go back to Gambia-Mali because there were two incredible free kicks from Gambia and none of the two went in. The first crossbar from Barrow, it's just... Man, I miss when people... Like, you don't see that as often as it should happen. Like, mm. the guy just, like, with the ball, nobody around him. He just, like, runs straight, hits it <laughs> as hard as he can, and it hit the crossbar. And right after that, uh, a free kick attempt on the right flank, closer to the penalty box this time. Jallo calculates the trajectory perfectly to the near post with his left foot, actually with his right foot, but it hits the uh, it hits the post. And what is that if not bad luck for the Gambians? What do you think of that Barrow attempt, Rory? Honestly, the first one was my, unbelievable. I was so excited when I saw the length of the run-up. I was like, oh, here we go. And it just like cannons off the crossbar. I was like, oh, shit. Like, he definitely hit that. Like, he absolutely put his foot through. It's beautiful to see. Beautiful to see. And the, and the goalkeeper actually had a pretty nice dive too. And I think he got a slight touch on it. But man, what a rocket it was. Right after that, Mali picked it up. They picked up their pace. And they started looking like the better side for most of the game. Bisuma shot over the crossbar before Gambia's Jolbe had a very, very good say on Traore. And uh, then it's just like a big question, big question mark is what was Gambia's defense doing? Because they allowed uh, Mali to just go through Mm -hmm. very easily. And the game in the end was decided by two penalties, one converted by Kone for Mali and the other one converted by uh, Barrow for Gambia. Um, he converted beautifully. This is a player that we've already covered since we are usually uh, a Serie A and Premier League podcast. Barrow is an incredible player. Just mm-hmm. look at that penalty, how cool he walks up and slots it in. But yeah, this leaves Gambia in a four, first place with four points and Mali are second uh, also with four points. Tunisia-Mauritania, 4-0. It's a goal fest for the Tunisians. One of the better games of the weekend. And the highlight here is really the way that Tunisia played their game. They played a very unselfish type of football, always looking for the open man, for the extra pass, not a way, not afraid to like wait an extra second. And they just looked extremely smooth in, tra- in transition. The first goal was very lucky. It came from Mala- Ma- Mataluti. Mataluti, who made it 1-0 after a flipper type of play. The ball was just bouncing everywhere. Then it hit him <laughs> and it went in. Then Kadri scored a brace. That's another goalkeeper that should have done better there as well. That's yeah, 100%. Kadri yeah. scored a brace to make it 3-0. And then Jaziri puts the icing on the cake with a 4-0 assisted by Kadri, who then ended the game with two goals and one assist. However, they could have made it 5-0, but at the 90th minute... Msakni. God damn it, these names are hard. Msakni missed the penalty. He hit the post. But this gives Tunisia their first three points of the tournament. And in this group as well, we've got three teams out of four who could qualify for the next round. The games of this group are coming up on Thursday, the day that we record our Friday episode. So we'll be able, hopefully, to tell you all about them. 
Answering uh, our friend from the Hopeless Wanderer podcast, Rory, who do you think, uh, which players, let's say two names each, have been the most impressive so far in the AFCON? Um, I'm going to take the obvious one and say uh, Mohamed Kamara, the Seattle Young goalkeeper, 100%. really did not expect, um, I don't know, just came from nowhere, really, came from nowhere. Even when I was researching Sierra Leone before the tournament, I was like, okay, all their keepers seem fairly like young, playing Sierra Leone. Don't really, it's very difficult to find things on them. Uh, so I didn't really know what to expect. Really surprised by him. Um, the other player, I'm going to say, just for the sheer excitement of watching him play, despite his team not being the greatest so far, I'm going to say Suleimane from uh, Ghana. Unbelievably exciting winger. Just the skills on the guy. He's not scared to go and just direct fully at goal really do enjoy him he's one of those players every time he gets on the ball you kind of sit up a little bit very very exciting player what about you tommy i'm gonna say i'm gonna say simon moses simon mm -hmm. for uh, nigeria um might be the last game especially that really caught my eye but this guy is an incredibly talented footballer and i was looking at his stats he's playing in the league uh, for nantes um, and he's already got two goals and six assists this season uh, which is not bad for left wing, it's pretty good. So, That's yeah, pretty, good. It's pretty good, pretty good, and he's performing for his national team too. So these would be my two names. I agree with mm -hmm. you, Mohamed Kamara deserves absolutely the prize after the first round of fixtures. That's it with the Afcon for today, ladies and gentlemen. Are you enjoying the tournament as much as you thought you would, Roy? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The these the moments of madness. Um, I'm all about that. I do enjoy them. Um, the moments of quality. I think even when there weren't a lot of goals. The quality of the goals was incredible. Like we were seeing some really good goals. Um, the fact that I've obviously coming into this tournament, we aren't, we weren't African football experts. I didn't know what to expect, but the fact I've been surprised by a lot of the kind of teams that I didn't expect much from like Sierra Leone, um, like Equatorial Guinea, like Gambia, um, these teams, I didn't know what to expect. I've been really impressed by them. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's only going to get better as the tournament goes on. That's the beauty of a tournament, right? As teams need to win, they have to start attacking. They have to stop kind of being so safe. And it's, it's, it's been great entertainment. What about you, Tommy? Yeah, I'm, it's the Vuvuzelas that get me. If it wasn't for the Vuvuzelas, <laughs> I would be all over the tournament. No, but really, no, it's been fun. And it's also nice to... It's also nice to research uh, some new names, uh, some upcoming players, uh, seeing also, you know, we're used to seeing the Manes and the Salas performing mm -hmm. in their uh, respective clubs, which is actually the same, Liverpool. But it's also interesting to see them play with a, with a team that has definitely less quality, and so they also have to change the way they mm -hmm. play a little bit. So it's also, see to see, <clears throat> it's also interesting to see these good players kind of like... Um, playing in a different role and mm -hmm. with a different style um rory we've got uh i know and the last thing that i want to say is that i'm very excited for the round of 16 and everything that will ensue from that but rory we've got 10 minutes each this is super democratic to cover the premier vuvuzelas for tommy's birthday adam is saying Please, no, I don't need a Vuvuzela <laughs> in my house. But Rory, you've got 10 minutes to cover the Premier League in a super democratic way, and then I'll take my 10 minutes to cover Serie A. Beam, boom, bam, Rafa Benitez is sacked. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be 10 minutes on Everton, guys. I apologize. 
Everton, it is a mess. What is going on at Everton? Uh, so they not only did, were they 2-0 down against Norwich within 17 minutes after Michael Keane put the ball into his own net and Irishman woo, Adam Edar doubled the lead. Richarlison, Richarlison scored an overhead kick, which genuinely was an absolute beauty of a goal, but ultimately meaningless. This game was kind of marred by Everton fans trying to run onto the pitch to get at Benitez. There was banners, Benitez, get out of our club before the game even kicked off. And, of course, Rafa was sacked the next day. Now, why is this such a ridiculous thing? Well, the appointment, we said at the time, Tommy, on the pod, the appointment made zero sense. I don't know why they appointed an average, I'm going to say, past it manager that was just there to wind up the fans. Why not pick another average past it manager that's not going to make people quite so angry? When the fans aren't on your side from the beginning, it's going to make things very difficult. But what they've done is they've stuck by him by selling one of their best players in Lucas Dina because he didn't get on with Benitez. So they've sold him to Aston Villa and to Steven Gerrard, right? Mm. And then they've now sacked that manager... And the next game for Everton is going to be against their old player, Lucas Dina. Like, the whole thing is a complete mess. And just to put the cherry on top, I'm sorry, Toffees. Like, there isn't much sunshine at the moment. You'll be more than aware of it. But they're now saying that their favourite to take over the job is... Now, Tommy, who do you think they're going to approach for this job? Who would you... Like, if you could pick anyone, who are you going to pick? If I could pick anyone for the Everton job... What? Which managers are available right now? Uh... Well, there's no one really available, but you could think fairly creatively about who Everton could attract in theory, right? I don't know, but they, yeah, I don't know. You have no idea. This is too open of a question. You're putting you me would on the think, spot. I don't like, like it. They, they apparently went for Graham Potter, who obviously said, no, I'm all right. <laughs> I'll stay at Brighton. Um, they've decided, apparently, to go all the way back to Roberto Martinez. So they've decided, when was the last time we were half decent? Let's get him again. He's not managed a club football for six years and he's underachieved massively with an incredible bunch of players. Let's get him to sort out our defense and turn us around. Mind-blowing decision. But apparently they're in talks to get him and bring Thierry Henry in as his assistant. Thierry, don't do it. You're just going to damage your reputation. There's no reason to go there. And we've got... Know, uh, we have Joe... Yeah, from, sorry. Go from friend of the pod, Joe Spagnoli, saying, I know Digne, Mushiri, and Dejan Rafa are the main headlines here, but how the fuck does Richarlison <laughs> still play for Everton? He must Mind have blown. a massive personality flaw. For no clubs to have approached him, he must be a pain in the arse or something because there, there is, yeah, he has been there for a long time. He is consistently their best player. He still comes up with moments of brilliance in this bang average team. I don't know how Arsenal lost to them. It's still screaming in my head. How did we lose to this shower shit? I have no idea why Richarlison is still there, but he is like the one bright light that is in that squad. Like they really do look like they're in trouble. They're, they're currently six points above the relegation zone, but they've got three games in hand. I want two games in hand, but they've got to play Leicester at home and Burnley away. And both of those are going to be tricky games. So whoever they bring in next needs to turn the ship around quickly. I think mo most likely they're going to end up with. Um, Darren Duncan Ferguson as um, kind of interim manager. He did really well last time he was there, proper kind of Everton man. So I think it might not be a bad move for them, but the whole club is an absolute mess. Mashiri does not know what he's doing. Rafa Benitez has now enshrined himself in Liverpool folklore even more to the point that the Liverpool fans were singing his name when he was sacked because he was sacked 
during their game against Brentford. Um, so they were singing his name. He's definitely a lot more popular or even more popular on one side of Liverpool than he was a couple of months ago. Um, baffling, baffling appointment. And now they've got to pay him out of a four-year contract. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He, he's, he holds the record for Everton's shortest ever manager with 159 days. Now, here's a stat for you. He won more Champions League knockout ties with Liverpool than he won games at Everton. So he won 10 Champions League knockout ties at Liverpool. He won seven games at Everton. And again, one yeah. of those was against Arsenal. And it feels like the most Arsenal thing ever. I don't understand how it happened. Life is pain. But there we go. Um, that is the Everton situation, I think, summed up. Um, beyond that, we have... Is the Premier League the Farmers League? Was it the Farmers League all along? Mm. We now have very two, hot take. I like it. two I like title it. races in a row where they've been sewn up before February. Um, Manchester City beat Chelsea 1-0. Kevin De Bruyne, beautiful goal. They are now 13 points clear. The title's decided. At what point do we say there's no challenge in this league? Like, City will win it comfortably. They are the PSG, right? Like... This is now the biggest points gap across all the top five leagues in Europe, um, even more than PSG, right? So it is. it doesn't feel like a competition. Now, there are a lot of good teams, right? There are a lot of very good teams. Liverpool, Chelsea, these are all good teams, right? I'm going to put Arsenal in there, West Ham, right? Not quite United, not quite Spurs, but there's some decent, decent teams, right? But just no one can reach that level of Man City. It does feel like they are just miles, miles above. And th- with this comes a like when United won it all the time, there was like a anyone but United attitude, right? People genuinely felt angry about it. They hated United. There was like a passion about them not winning. With City, it kind of feels like clubs don't care. Like if someone said to me, Arsenal aren't going to win the league, who do you want to win the league? I would say Man City because... I don't care if they win it or not. Whereas if United win it, I hate it. If Chelsea win it, I hate it. But City, I don't care. And I feel like there's a lot of fans out there that feel that way. Like it just feels a bit sterile. It feels just a bit like, okay, you win, but like it, yeah, yeah. it just, there's no real fun there. There's no real, like, and I'd love, we, we should have a City fan on to talk about it. Cause for them, I bet they're fucking loving it. But the rest of the league, I just feel, it just feels like, of course you win it. And I don't really care that you win. I don't know. I find it really, really disheartening. <laughs> like, you know, and it's not when the top what? team aren't exciting. What are you doing? You know, what's going to be exciting, Rory. It's like in Italy with Juventus until Inter come and they kind of like take the crown and Arsenal mm-hmm. are going to do the same with City. How exciting would that don't. be? <laughs> I, I'm getting far too carried away with Arteta and I could genuinely start believing it. But look, I think City... It's so annoying that we don't have a title race again. And again, the storyline is going to be the relegation fight and the top four race. People laughed when Wenger said top four was a trophy. It's where all the entertainment is now, and it is basically a trophy. So unfortunately, the title race is done. But before we go, I need to very quickly say I've got two and a half minutes just under. No, go for, go for it more. I don't have that much to cover. I, I realize that I have to step down and Arsenal no longer have the moral high ground, right? I accept it. Liverpool cheated. We followed the rules, but I can understand how people are upset. Arsenal got the game against Tottenham postponed. Now, I'm going to come at this from two ways. One, I personally think we should have been forced to play the game, right? I think the rules that the Premier League have set are terrible. The fact that it's not only COVID um, restrictions that, that count 
is such a ridiculous thing. It should be, if it's not COVID, it doesn't count, right? But they left the rules vague and teams have taken advantage of it. I'm much happier that we can play Tottenham with a fitter squad, possibly when we've got some January signings in. Fingers crossed, Vlaovic. Like, I'm much happier about that. But I think morally, we should have been forced to play the game. We should have been forced to play the kids. And I think we've missed a massive opportunity because I think we could have turned up with our 18-year-olds and beaten them on their own turf. And that would have been a massive statement. And I think genuinely we missed a bit of an opportunity. But the other side of this, Twitter was so much fun. When that was announced on Saturday and Sunday, oh my God, seeing the Tottenham fans lose their minds was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Jamie O'Hara has now deleted his Twitter account because Arsenal fans gave him that much shit because he lost his shit on Twitter. Seeing the Tottenham fans referencing Lasagna Gate, seeing them referencing how we fucked him in 1919, just seeing how how angry they got about it was beautiful. There was Arsenal um, pages yesterday tweeting as if the game was happening. And it was like, oh, Jack has been sent off, but Arsenal are 7-0 up. Mikel Arteta has just come off the bench to score. And it was just like, Arsenal fans, we have such a big presence online. And I love it. And when we all unite and when we're not arguing amongst ourselves, it's a beautiful thing to see. And we were just winding up Spurs fans for 48 hours. It was beautiful cry more i absolutely love it eric dyer even got involved and he got absolutely destroyed on twitter including really? what did he Ramsey. write you what love write? to see it sorry what did he write on twitter he put that gif of the guy kind of counting his fingers i just retweeted it with me trying to figure out how eric dyer ever got in the england team <laughs> but loads <laughs> loads of people did the because he referenced aaron ramsey there was a game where he told aaron ramsey to sit down on the bench and mm-hmm. they were 2-1 up and then Aaron Ramsey came off the bench and scored the goal that made it 4-2 and set up the goal for 3-2. And Aaron Ramsey put it on Instagram with like a big smile with hashtag sit down, he said. And that just got thrown at him the whole time. One of those goals went in off Eric Dyer, so it was kind of an own goal. Just beautiful, like a massive cell phone from him. Um, beautiful to see. Spurs fans, I apologize, but I don't really care. It's funny. Loads of other clubs have done it people only lost their shit when Arsenal did it, right? Burnley have cancelled another game. They're going to have six games in hand. Leicester have got four games in hand. People only went mad when Arsenal did it. And it's just, I'm going to say the word, there is an agenda. People that I know from abroad who have talked about the Premier League, they've always said, why do people overreact when it's Arsenal? Why do people give a shit when it's Arsenal? I don't know. People just get angry when it's Arsenal. But if people hate us, that means we're good again. So let's go. Rory, a few words uh, just like that. Boom. I'll tell you the games and you just say the words. Brighton Palace, 1-1. Um, great point. A really good game, actually. Really entertaining game. Great goals. What we expected. Feisty. City Chelsea, 1-0 with that De Bruyne goal. Beautiful goal. Grealish might be a waste of money. Massively disappointing performance. Ooh, don't say it to our fantasy football group, Rory. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I named <laughs> right. I named my team Grealish better than Chiesa, and both have had nightmare seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle Watford one one. Newcastle fucked it. Absolutely fucked it. They had the chance to get a massive three points. Let it slip in the eighty eighth. No way they're staying up. I stick by it. No way they're staying up. And what a goal by uh, Saint Maximin! That was oh. beautiful. That was a beautiful, beautiful goal. Street footballer, right there. Then we've got Talking Norwich Everton. Talking of players who are not where they should be, Saint Maximin should be somewhere else. Like Norwich Everton, we've already covered it. Uh, Wolves Southampton. 
Wolves having a freaking incredible season. People are going to start talking about them sooner or later. They are having an incredible season. Could actually get Europa League this year. And then we've got Villa United, the 2-2 with Phil Coutinho back in the game. A beautiful, I saw, uh, I think I saw actually one goal by Bruno Fernandes that hit the crossbar, went in. But Manchester United absolutely shat the bat. What happened there, Rory, in one minute? They've conceded, they've now conceded more goals than Burnley, who are bottom of the league. (laughs) They've conceded more (laughs) goals than Burnley. That is Manchester United's problem. And it still looks like in January, they are not going to look for a defensive midfielder. Long may it continue, but I do not know what is going on at that club. I have no idea. Like, it's so obvious. Anyway. Liverpool-Brantford, the 3-0. Easy for Liverpool. Comfortable. The Ox scored a great goal before getting injured. Typical Ox. Yep. And then we've got Liverpool, Brentford. Oh, no, sorry. That's the one we just said. Sorry. And West Ham leads with a bit of a hat-trick for Mr. Harrison, right? Jack Harrison with his first ever Premier League hat-trick. Maybe his first ever hat-trick. This game was crazy. Both teams really, really went for it. Really entertaining game. Jared Bowen missed an absolute sitter at the end, like a diving header, but he chose to chest it instead and it went above the it went above the uh over the bar and that means that now Arsenal despite not playing have had a very good weekend we've got two games in hand um over West Ham and we're only two points behind them so that was a massive result for Arsenal sorry to make everything Arsenal centric but you know what I'm like and this was a West Ham's and it was the end of West Ham's three game winning streak as our friend the Jospagnoli writes Grealish isn't a waste of money he's the waste of money touching back on what Rory said earlier but it's time very quickly I've got 6 minutes approximately to cover Serie A let's start from uh, Sampdoria Torino 1 2 Probably the least exciting of all these games. Everything that we need to know for this game is that Praet, the former Sabdoria player, actually scored the winning goal at the 67th minute. Sabdoria had previously taken the lead with Caputo, who is not having the season that maybe many expected he would have. However, he put one in and then Singo drew for Torino and Praet made it 2-1. Salernitana-Lazio, 0-3. Rory, I'm going to say that crazy stat. So, uh, Ciro Immobile, ever since wearing the Lazio jersey, you know who are the two players that have scored, the only two players that have scored scored more than him since he wears Lazio jersey? Go for it. Robert Lewandowski and Lionel Messi. These guys had 140 goals with Lazio, incredible numbers. And this time around, it wasn't even penalties. They were both pretty goals, and he could have had four if it wasn't that uh, Belic, Salernitana's goalkeeper, had a pretty good game and he saved on multiple occasions. And it's still mad that I'm not convinced by him at all. Despite that stat, I'm still like, yeah, but he's not that good. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. It just feels like when he's the, the thing that I said back in the day, when he's on his day, he's fucking sick. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. how often is he on his game? And how mm. terrible is he when he's not on his day? Yeah. Yeah, Let's yeah. move on to Juventus Udinese. 2-0 headline goes to Mr. Paolo Dybala, who scores a goal <laughs> and then just fucking stares <laughs> at the bleachers. And I'm all about that. 
who was he looking for? I think he was looking for the Juventus management who have mistreated him according to what he thinks. And guys, the rumors are increasing. Mr. Beppe Marotta, lazy eye Beppe, <laughs> Inter Milan. He's just renewed his contract as Inter Sporting Director, and they think that he's looking around to snatch that deal. What do you think of Dybala Martinez up front in an oh, Inter jersey? Man, that, that Argentina link up. And there was a moment <laughs> after the game where I think, was it? Dybala hugged, was it Zanetti on the pitch? I'm not sure. It was someone as part, it was an Argentinian as part of the Inter. It wasn't a player. It was like the Inter Ooh. coach, but he hugged it. And it was like a proper heartfelt hug. It wasn't a like, hey man, how are you? Um, kind of reminiscent of Lukaku mugging off the Chelsea fans with his secret handshake with De Bruyne when they just lost 1-0. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a really telling moment. But I think staring into the stands and seeing Nedved put his face in his hands is possibly the most beautiful thing i've ever seen massive statement mate if you pull that deal off that is like i think dibala oh. i think dibala if he does come to inter he needs to step it up a notch uh and uh, build on that aggressiveness because that guy i i think he's incredibly talented but sometimes he meets he misses the grit a little bit mm-hmm. uh he tries a little too many tricks he needs to be a little more consistent McKenney with the two nil it's his third goal this year Rory's smiling because of course he's got him in his fantasy football and uh, he really needs that smile because he benched <laughs> the standout player of the week which was of course Verona's Barak Verona's first ever midfielder to put a hat-trick past the opposition goalkeeper Verona ended up winning the away game at Sassuolo 4-2 but Besides Barak's standout game, I just want to highlight the name Gianluca Scamacca. This guy is fucking insane. He does not miss. And him and Raspadori together, they've got this thing going. They need to be starting up front for Italy when we take on Macedonia in one month and a half. That bicycle kick, that bicycle kick is insane, man. It's like a so good. Fucking sweet, yeah, yeah. dude. That game was about... so much fun as well, by the way. That game was so much fun. It was yeah, great. It was a lot, it, it was a lot of fun. Barak just like scoring f- f- in any every way time. Every time he did something, I was like, fuck. Sake. <laughs> I spent 10 minutes looking at that fantasy app going, Do I start him or Sanchez? Him or Sanchez? Obviously, pick Sanchez. They also did a very nice sticker around the Verona today. They were, you know, the Obama. Uh, obey stickers that just said okay, the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they did the same with Barak. And I just want to say <laughs> very quickly, Verona are in 10th place with 30 points. They've won eight games this season and they're all, only five points behind Roma in the Conference League. So I think that they're definitely setting their sights on mm-hmm. the higher parts of the rankings. Then we've got Venezia Empoli 1-1. Everything I have to say is that Rory's fantasy football wonder kid, Okereke, is actually Quite a beast, but nothing like that Nani assist. Man, one minute and 14 seconds into the pitch, he touches the first ball, and it's actually meant to be a give-and-go, but then Okereke has the aim, he shoots. It's a beautiful goal, and seeing Nani's celebration in that Venezia kit, I was just like, he's kind of sick. I like it. He looks beautiful in that kit. He looks beautiful in that kit. Uh, also, Empoli's goalkeeper had a hell of a game. He denied Okereke in a few occasions, and his name is Vicario. Let's move on to Roma Cagliari. 1-0. Oliveira takes the penalty kick on his first game at the Olimpico. Uh, Rory, 
was that a boring game? Is that the it wasn't great? <laughs> it really was not great. I tried so hard. I put on the first half, and then I I went out and walked the dog for the second half. I was like, "Sod this! This is not going to be a good. This is not going to be a good way to spend my time." I would be intrigued to hear what Joe's got to say about it. I'll be honest. And unfortunately, I haven't watched this game because I was here with you guys recording this episode. But tonight, AC Milan lost 2-1 to Spezia at home. And the beautiful thing is that the Spezia's winner came at the 96th minute. I love all about it. They're trailing by two points <laughs> behind Inter Milan, who, however, have got a game in hand against Bologna and Napoli. Won 2-0 against Bologna, away from home, a brace from Lozano. And of course, right now... The better, the best for last. Yes, Rory? Vlavic has missed a penalty. He doesn't want to be at Fiorentina anymore. He wants to be at Arsenal. It's all the sign, Tommy. It's all the sign. He's missed a penalty. I think it's the first time he misses a penalty in a very, very long time. He's getting getting ready to join Arsenal. That's what it is. You've got to start missing those penalties, son. But the best for last, Atalanta Inter, go on Martin Deron's Instagram, as always. It's good fun. There is a picture that says what it what it looked like, and it's uh, Inter and Atalanta players arguing in front of the referee, and then what it actually felt like, and it's these Roman warriors fighting. <laughs> it was a great game. Both goalkeepers, for uh, somebody who loves goalkeeping as much as I do, it was really the goalkeeper's game. Both Andanovic and Musso had some incredible saves. Um, the game ended nil-nil, and it's the first time this season in Serie A that Inter failed to score a goal. This came. This was a halt to Inter's eight-game winning streak. Um, I don't think that Inter underperformed. Uh, Atalanta are a very, very good team. It was difficult to put it past Musso. We did have a chance with that beautiful Barella heel touch to D'Ambrosio, mm-hmm. who, however, wasn't able to squeeze the ball through between Musso's hand and the post, and the ball ended up wide. A few good opportunities on both sides and the very good saves all over. This is not really a setback for Inter Milan, in my opinion, who, let's remember this, are going through quite a streak of games. There was a win against Lazio, a win against Juventus in the Supercoppa Italiana final, and now a draw against Atalanta. Next up are going to be, um, actually, this Wednesday in Coppa Italia, we take on Empoli, then Venezia in Serie A, and then the second big streak, AC Milan, Napoli, and Jesus Christ, Liverpool. That's it from Serie A. I, guys, I got to go watch these AC Milan highlights. Sorry if I'm rushing this, but... <laughs> no, we need to We need to very, very, very quickly talk about the Napoli tweet, which was really weird after the game, but I think it was kind of sincere, where they said, congratulations it. to Inter and Atlanta for playing a honest and entertaining game of football. And it was absolutely right. I really enjoyed that game for a nil-nil. It was fantastic. Handanovic and Musso were both incredible. It definitely could have been more goals, but I genuinely enjoyed that. A great way to spend an hour and a half. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it took me 24 hours to realize that there was nothing more than respect in that Napoli tweet. Mm-hmm. Because yesterday when I read it, I was like, where is the joke? Like, I don't know. Whenever you see a tweet, you're just like, they're throwing a jab at someone. Like, are they actually thinking that they can win the Scudetto this year? And then I was just like, no, that was genuine. For once, <laughs> for yeah, once, yeah. like Twitter was a place. It's been full of one sincere tweet on Twitter, and it's that one. <laughs> we uh, there is a bit of a conversation going on in the chat between Joe and Adam uh, about uh, Jose Mourinho at Roma. We will cover that soon. Joe is saying uh, that uh, he must stop questioning Jose. 
we will touch more on that hopefully on our Thursday episode. We might have another guest uh, to talk about the AFCON, but we're just going to keep it in mind. We're crossing our fingers uh, and we hope you've enjoyed our show and also our latest episode that was released last Friday. Rory, anything to say to our listeners? Just a very quick shout out to our sponsors, of course, at Sports Club Maps. They are doing a re-release of their Germany maps, a re-release of their Buenos Aires maps. They all look incredible. Go check them out. If you want to treat yourself, treat yourself. Get yourself a map. They're beautiful. Apart from that, have a good week. We will see you on Friday. Talk to you later, guys. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.